Hey, Atlanta. It's Asma Khalid from the NPR Politics Podcast. We are going to be live on stage doing our show Thursday, October 20th at 8 p.m. at the Buckhead Theater. And we'd love for you to be there. Ticket info is at nprpresents.org. Thanks to our partners, Georgia Public Broadcasting, WABE, and WCLK Jazz. See you there. My name is Rex, and I'm getting into my 2019 Volkswagen Alltrack to go to work. But it's not what I wanted to talk to you about. It's my work vehicle. A 1988 Grumman Long Life Vehicle, or LLV. This Blue Eagle is a small white block of a truck with a short nose where the four-cylinder, 90-horsepower engine that doesn't use a timing belt or chain helps me deliver to about 850 houses each day. This podcast was recorded at... 1.09 p.m. on Monday, the 3rd of October. Things have likely changed by the time you hear this, but I'll still be delivering the mail. Here's the show. Always delivers. <laughs> yep. Hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House. I'm Domenico Montanaro, senior political editor and correspondent. And Corey Turner is here with us from NPR's education team. Hey, Corey. Hey, Tam. Hey, Domenico. Hey, So we have you here because you reported a story last week. You're still reporting it as the fallout continues. But the U.S. Department of Education has quietly changed its guidance around who qualifies for President Biden's sweeping student debt relief plan. That could be a big deal for many borrowers who now apparently no longer qualify for the ten or $20,000 in loan forgiveness that the Biden administration is offering and that a few weeks ago they thought they did qualify for. So, Corey, explain these changes, how you noticed them, and, and who it impacts. Yeah, so uh, I will try to keep this as unnerdy and in the weeds as possible. Um, we are talking about old federal student loans called FELL loans. Uh, it stands for Federal Family Education Loans. And these used to be the mainstay of the federal student loan program until 2010, when the program was shut down and basically the whole system shifted largely over to direct loans. Um, so Uh, To be very clear, these are federal loans because they are guaranteed by the federal government, but they were issued back at a time when the loans were actually held and serviced and managed by private banks and loan servicers and even some state-based agencies who are allowed to profit from them, even though they're guaranteed by the government. So... In total, Tam, we know that we're talking about roughly 4 million borrowers who have these commercially held FELL loans. And when Biden announced his sweeping debt relief plan, so this would have been late August, the Ed Department told these borrowers, hey, all you need to do is consolidate these old loans into new direct loans, and then you'll qualify for relief too. But then late last week, very quietly, without any real public explanation, the department changed those rules and said suddenly to these borrowers, as of this day, you no longer can consolidate your loans and qualify for relief. In fact, I only knew about it because I had heard something might be changing. And so I I screenshotted the language as it was on the federal student aid website the old language. And honestly, I was just staring at the Ed website, hitting the refresh button. (laughs) And then sure enough, around 11 o'clock in the morning, 
I noticed the policy had completely changed. Wow. So, okay, why? <laughs> you know, like, is there... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it would seem to be a very big question of this is a, a, a shift. This is a change. They have changed their policy. Why would they do that to these borrowers? I mean, that is exactly what I was tr trying to figure out. And I, I think there are a couple different answers here. At first, the administration offered no answer, no explanation. But it also doesn't take a lot of work to read between the lines here. So you remember those loan servicers and the private banks and the state-based agencies that I mentioned who manage and profit off of these old loans? Well, they started to argue, look, if we lose too many of these loans because of your debt relief plan, we're going to start suffering financial harm. And in fact, last week, about the same time that the Ed Department is changing this policy, Six Republican states filed a lawsuit arguing exactly this and asking a judge for an injunction to stop Biden's entire debt relief plan. And so I think the White House was so worried about that happening that they were essentially willing to quietly change the scope of their debt relief plan, you know, sacrificing these fell borrowers, hoping to undercut the state's arguments and protect everyone else who might benefit. It kind of reminds me of the Affordable Care Act. You know, I mean, you had this argument that they made in court about, uh, you know, the mandate actually being a tax, which wasn't something that a lot of people had talked about in the beginning. But, you know, then that winds up getting taken out. And I know the Obama administration was worried that the entire law would become, uh, you know, thrown out. So it sounds like the Biden administration was trying to preempt um, you know, potentially a lawsuit that could throw out this entire thing that had gotten the hopes up for a lot of people who have student loans. So, Domenico, I do want to talk about the politics here. Um, this was always going to be, you know, sort of threading a needle for for the president and for the White House with this policy. And now they're having to thread it even more because of the legal challenges. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be difficult because there's only so much that a president can do by executive order for as many things as, you know, people in the president's base want him to do and that the president wants to do and he promised to do. You still need Congress. And with Congress being as closely divided as it is, it's just difficult to get a sweeping uh, policy through that won't be challenged in court and have part of it sort of thrown away. And, you know, it makes it for a very difficult you know, bit of policymaking and politics to be able to get some of this through, not to mention, you know, a little bit of the backlash that uh, I think the White House knew was coming, where you have conservatives saying that this in the first place was a giveaway that they saw as unfair to people who didn't go to college. Um, and this was a thing they were trying to use, the Biden administration, the Biden White House, used, you know, with younger people, frankly, in a midterm election year to sort of try to help some of that enthusiasm to say, hey, I am trying to follow through on my promises here. From a policy standpoint, obviously, this is a huge deal to a lot of people, as we've been talking about. But politically, it's kind of negligible or around the margins as far as whether it will change the scope of a race or two or here, wherever that might be, because inflation is still the dominant issue for a lot of uh, independents and Republicans with prices being as high as they are. Uh, and, you know, abortion rights on the other side of things really being a motivating factor for Democrats, while you also have Democrats in swing districts also watching the economy and wanting to make sure that they're not ignoring economic concerns of a lot of their constituents. So, Yes, student loans play into the economic concerns of a lot of people, and that's 
part of why I think uh, you're seeing this White House try on this uh, angle with student loans to try to get uh, some help and relief to younger borrowers and also to get them out to the polls. All right, we're going to take a quick break. More in just a moment. And we're back. And Corey, this policy, the the student debt relief policy, was announced about six weeks ago. Um, yeah. Since then, the Congressional Budget Office, which you promised not to get wonky, but I'm taking you there right now. <laughs> no. um, yeah, when we start talking about CBO scores. <laughs> we, we're going there. Yeah. So the Congressional Budget Office, uh, which is like the, the nonpartisan office that sort of does the budget scores and says how much something's going to cost, what the effect of things might be on the economy or otherwise, they looked at this policy. And Corey, what did they find? Yeah, they said it would probably cost around $400 billion. It, it, it's not nothing. $400 billion is a, is a lot of money. Even if, you know, you, you concede to arguments that th- these are debts that were, were written years in the past, it's not, it's not exactly like writing a check. And I think it just, you know, f- forced the White House to go back into justification mode you know, making clear to folks why they think this is still an important policy and worth the cost. But then there's the political analysis that layers on top of that, because a lot of the other big Democratic priorities that haven't made it through Congress can't be done through executive action. You know, this this administration has actually gotten quite a bit done when you think about a 50-50 Senate uh, that yeah. Corey's alluding to here, especially because of the budget maneuvers that they were able to pull off. I mean, just the you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, uh, the COVID uh, relief uh, bills that went through, uh, you know, so many pieces of legislation that did actually do quite a lot of things uh, that conservatives, frankly, uh, have been very upset about, uh, you know. And it's one of another one of those examples, though, of expectation setting kind of getting in the way a little bit uh, when you run for, run in a campaign and kind of promising you can lasso the moon, you know, and when you get only out of the atmosphere and into space, people <laughs> see it as a failure. So some of this is about that kind of expectation setting uh, that, you know, uh, Biden as a candidate was certainly willing to say he could do all of the things. And when he accomplishes some of it, it doesn't look quite as shiny and good. Well, speaking of expectation setting, Corey, six weeks ago, many of these borrowers thought that they were going to get this relief. Now, at least some of them, maybe 2%, if you take the White House number, are not going to get this relief. Have you have you heard from people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard from a lot of these borrowers um, on social media, uh, in my email. I got a, I actually got a new email just a few minutes ago. Um, and you're, and you're right. Like, I, I think the real tragedy here is, is that they were given a false hope. I, I, have talked to lots of folks who think the Biden administration, um, would have been on solid ground, you know, six weeks ago when they made this announcement, simply saying like, look, anticipating a lot of lawsuits, uh, we just don't see a way to help these fell borrowers. And I think that would have been frustrating for many of these borrowers. But they would have understood, you know, being told you're going to get help and then having it essentially taken away six weeks later is 
is really hard. And I think most people don't realize when we talk about these Fell loans, like this is a very specific group of people. These are old debts. You know, the Fell program, as I said earlier, ended in 2010. Um, many of these borrowers went to community colleges, for-profit colleges, historically black colleges and universities. I mean, honestly, when President Biden was talking about who he wanted to help with this debt relief plan, Fell borrowers are right there in the middle of it. Um, and so it's it's tough. And so what I'm hearing from some of these borrowers, you know, I've heard frustration from some of them about the way the administration is now talking about it, you know, saying, well, it's really only 2% of those who might be affected. I saw a tweet from one borrower who said, well, if you're one of the 800,000, it matters. Don't try to erase my story with your greater good stats. I just got uh, another email not that long ago uh, from a borrower who wrote, I've been paying my loan since 2006, so this abrupt news is a punch to the gut. It feels awful. I do want to say, though, I, <laughs> I'm going to try to be glass half full here. Um, you know, the, the administration insists they're still exploring other avenues uh, that they could possibly use to help these borrowers. We'll see. Um it's possible things will change. I, honestly, this story has changed so much every week. I, I don't think anything is set in stone at this point. Well, one thing I am certain of is that you are going to be watching this closely and we will have you back on the pod when there are more major developments. Corey, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House. And I'm Domenico Montanaro, senior political editor and correspondent. And thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. 